Shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hey, it's Pat Smith of the Spokane Chiefs. It's Adam Bocris. Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltadors. Hey, it's Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hi, I'm Dominic Fox. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Oak Oaks Oilers. It's Joe Bryan. Hi, it's Barrett Hayden of the Sioux Greyhounds. Brady Kachuk from the Boston University Terriers. Major Junior. In the 100th year of the Memorial Cup, the Ankeny Panthers T-Tall have won it for the first time. NCAA. Face-off, 50-50, that's it. Minnesota Nice. Minnesota Duluth, national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. The Buffalo Sabres are proud to select Frolunda defenseman Rasmus Dahlin. And more. Uh, yes. Oh my goodness. We're not going home yet, baby. This is the Pipeline Show. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. Exciting time of the year, especially if you are a fan of uh, junior or college hockey. Is the uh, playoffs? Well, playoffs in college hockey starting. This weekend in four out of the six NCAA conferences, uh, the AJHL, the BCHL, all the CJHL leagues, BCHL actually started playoffs last week. AJ gets going this weekend, and the playoffs in the CHL are right around the corner just uh, this weekend and next weekend left on the regular season schedule, and then things get serious. Uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show. If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. If you're new to the program, then welcome to the Pipeline Show, I hope that you'll be back for more. As always on the show, we start with the question of the day. It's brought to you by the Edmonton Oil Kings, who have just five games left on the regular season schedule. Three of them against the Calgary Hitmen. They play uh, Kootenai and Red Deer as well, and that kind of leads into the uh, question of the day. It's a two-part question of the day, which I uh, put on Twitter this morning. As I'm speaking to you right now, it is a Thursday morning. By the time you're hearing this, it'll be a Thursday evening, probably. But the uh, question questions of the day revolve around the uh, WHL Central Division and the the wild card race. There are basically two groups now, as it's uh, separated somewhat. You got, at the top of the division, you have uh, three teams: Edmonton with 82 points, Lethbridge with 82 points, and Calgary with 78 points. And I include Calgary in that mix. Even though they're back by four points, they have four games left, and three of them are against Edmonton, and the other is against Lethbridge. So really, Calgary has their future uh, in their hands. If they were to be able to win out, they would end up uh, tied with Edmonton, at least depending on what happens with the Oil Kings in their other two games. But with Calgary uh, behind them by four points, actually they would be uh, two points ahead of Edmonton. Again, depending on what the Oil Kings did in the two games uh, against Red Deer and Kootenai. So it's it's still incredibly close. Calgary's also there. They have four games left, three against Edmonton. The other is against Lethbridge. So the, the Hurricanes, uh, all three of these teams are pretty much intertwined. So that's the first part of the question of the day is how do you think that ends up on the uh, final standings? Right now you have Edmonton Lethbridge tied with 82 points. The Oil Kings have five games left. Lethbridge, four. And then the Calgary Hitman with 78 points and four games left. As I mentioned, Calgary plays Edmonton three times and Lethbridge still as well. So let me know what you think of that. And the other half of the question of the day is uh, in regard to the wildcard chase. You have three teams fighting out for the last two playoff spots in the WHL's Eastern Conference. They are right now going into the uh, last two weekends. 
Medicine Hat has 70 points and five games left. Red Deer has 68 points and six games left. And the Brandon Wheat Kings have 68 points and five games left. So, oh, and uh, interestingly enough, they all play each other one more time each. So Medicine Hat plays both Red Deer and Brandon and uh, vice versa with the other two as well. So it's uh, interesting when you have head-to-head matchups, but not necessarily. I mean, they could all win one of those games and really nothing changes. So uh, we'll see how it all uh, pans out over the next couple of weeks. But the question is, what do you think is going to happen? Of those three teams, Medicine Hat, Red Deer, and Brandon, who misses out on the playoffs? Let me know. You can get in uh, touch with me for both of those questions on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. And if you want to get tickets to the, the last a few home games for the Oil Kings, in fact, there are only two regular season games left on the schedule. That would be this coming Sunday when the Kootenai Ice are in town. That's a 4 o'clock start. Last time you're going to see the Ice representing Cranbrook, B.C. before they move to Winnipeg in the offseason. And the Calgary Hitmen, uh, that is the first of a home-at-home that closes out the regular season. That will be uh, Saturday the 16th. That's an afternoon game, a 2 o'clock game at Rogers Place. You can get your tickets for those games through oilkings.ca. Click on the tickets part on the toolbar, and uh, it'll lead you from there. And haven't seen anything official yet in terms of uh, what the playoff pictures or what the playoff package will look like. But in years past, they've had the Oil Kings have had the $99 playoff ticket package. So $99 gets you every playoff game. Bit of a gamble because uh, it could only mean the first round, or it could go all the way to the finals. And you know that's happened in the past. Both have happened in the past. But as long as you get out of the first round, or even play three games, I mean three three games uh, in the first round for 99 bucks. It's a bit more expensive than uh, regular price uh, or regular season tickets, but it is the playoffs. But you get out of that first round, and, uh, boy, tickets, uh, your average price per ticket goes way down after that. Now, I don't see anything yet in terms of uh, playoff ticket packages. I am going to assume that that will happen once they've uh, secured uh, standing, uh, where they're exactly they're going to be playing, who their opponent will be in the first round, all of those type of things. There's also some question of which uh, dates they would actually use at Rogers Place because... The Edmonton Oilers, obviously they're the primary tenant of the building, but Michelle Obama also in town for a speaking engagement. Uh, the available dates then would become the 24th and 25th, Sunday and Monday. Not ideal. Sunday's fine, but you wouldn't want to play if you're the uh, the home team uh, on a Monday necessarily. Lower ticket draw, obviously. Uh, they could play the Saturday, the 23rd. Uh, but the Oilers have an afternoon game that day, so it might be a little tricky. You might have end up having an 8 o'clock start or something on Saturday night, or maybe they can fit it in at 7 or 7.30. Uh, right now, the Oil Kings are in pretty good uh, place to have home ice advantage in the first round, but it's not a lock yet, so they might be waiting. Uh, well, it would make sense that they would wait to, until that is all settled once and for all. Let's get to the news and notes, and I wanted to start with a, a bunch of signing announcements. Uh, all of these out of the CHL, obviously, because the NCAA guys aren't going to be signing when the playoffs are about to sign start. Rather, um, So you'll start seeing all the college uh, hockey signings here in the next uh, couple of weeks as a bunch of teams uh, get knocked out as they start getting uh, bounced from the NCAA National Tournament after the conference playoffs. Uh, but right now it's the CHL signings, uh, one local, uh, fairly close to home here. Uh, Reese Johnson of the Red Deer Rebels has been signed by the Chicago Blackhawks. Of course, they signed... Uh, Brandon Hagel 
earlier this season. So a couple of teammates there getting snapped up by the Blackhawks. Minnesota, they signed Connor Dewar, who they drafted. Colorado signed Nick Henry, who they drafted. The New York Rangers signed Joey Keene of the London Knights. They drafted him. The Dallas Stars lock up Ty Felliber from the Ottawa 67s. He was a uh, an overage player, a free agent, as is Jimmy Huntington in uh, Ramouski and Tampa Bay assigned him. So there's uh, some signings uh, to pass on, and we'll, I'm sure we'll see a bunch more of those uh, start to trickle in now as uh, the end of the regular season comes close. And I always wonder about the timing of it. Uh, you know, you, you, if you sign guys during the playoffs, maybe you shouldn't sign guys during the playoffs. It's kind of interesting to see if, whether or not it would be a you know a distraction, but good for those players. Congratulations to them. Also, congratulations to uh, the University of Alberta, uh, capturing another Canada West title with a two-one uh, series victory against the Saskatchewan Huskies, who actually won Game One. They were hosting uh, the series. Uh, both of those clubs, though, will go on to uh, nationals. That will be in Lethbridge. Mentioned that uh, four of the six NCAA conferences start their playoffs this weekend. Uh, the only two that don't are the NCHC and Hockey East. They will start next weekend, but uh, the other four do get going. Uh, caught this uh, story on uh, College Hockey News this week from uh, Mike McMahon uh, mentioning that uh, Merrimack, with a new head coach this year, uh, he has told seven players on the squad that uh, they won't be back with the team next year. The reason I bring this up, it's it doesn't get reported on a, a whole lot, and so I credit Mike for for tackling that here. He does mention at the end of it, I'm going to quote his last uh, paragraph. It's not uncommon for teams to go through roster shakeups after a new head coach takes over a program. Last April, Jason Lammers cut eight players at Niagara following his first season, and UMass head coach Greg Carvel moved on from nine players in 2017 after his first season uh, with uh, the Minutemen. Uh, in this case, it's uh, seven players who uh, won't be back with the Merrimack Warriors. What stood out to me from this was this, we hear a lot about how shameful it is. I mean, a lot of people f- frown on players who uh, decommit from one program and go to another or decommit from a college hockey period and jump to the CHL. And there are a lot of people, uh, college people, who kind of turn up their noses at players who do those types of things. I guess it's to me it's a two-way street. I mean, you got coaches at programs doing it to those players as well. I mean, these are, these are seven guys who committed to Merrimack. They said I'm going to go play for you and no fault to their own, they've basically been cut from the program. So it goes both ways and I'm not saying that it's wrong that the the teams do this. It makes sense to me as well. Um, but I'm just saying I don't think the players should be vilified for their decisions when they decide to leave a program to go to a different one or to leave to go to the uh, Canadian Hockey League. Two-way street. Uh, one more sad note to uh, pass on. I'm sure you've probably heard if you follow the Canadian Hockey League at all, but uh, the uh, Blainville Boisbriand Armada lost a player this week. Real tragic story as uh, Alec Reed started suffering seizures and uh, passed away uh, last weekend, uh, 18 years old. Just a, a real sad story there. I don't know the uh, the entire story, but just uh, obviously really feel for uh, his family, obviously, and uh, for the team as well. Okay, let's move on, get to the uh, guest list. Here's what's coming down the pipe this week. You're going to hear from uh, four players, four guests rather, three of them are players. We will start with the NCAA campus report. Jimmy Connolly is going to uh, be the guest from USCHO.com. 
He's going to uh, tee up the playoff picture. You look at the pairwise right now, and there's a lot of big-name teams who are on the outside looking in. They're going to need to win their conferences just to get in to the national tournament. Of course, with some big-name teams out, that means some smaller and maybe newcomers are uh, in a good spot to make the national tournament. We'll talk about that. Also about some UFAs, uh, guys that uh, the NHL clubs might be circling right now, waiting for their teams to finish up so they can offer those guys contracts. And, of course, we'll uh, take a look at the uh, Hobie Baker list as well and who Jimmy thinks is in good contention to be uh, maybe on the Hobie hat trick as college hockey's top player. Might as well keep going with the uh, college guys. As a uh, guest I had tried to line up last week, and actually it was supposed to happen, and it fell through at the last minute. Uh, Jeremy Davies is a Canadian. He's a uh, defenseman with the Northeastern Huskies. Draft pick of the New Jersey Devils. You're going to hear from him today on the Pipeline Show. From there, we'll have a pair of 2019 draft spotlight segments. So we'll go with Josh Nodler of the Fargo Force. Saw him in the summer at the Holinka Gretzky Cup. He played for the United States in that tournament. We talk a little bit about that event, but uh, also catch up with what's happened this year with the Force in the USHL, defending uh, Clark Cup champs in that league. And we'll end it today with a, another 2019 draft spotlight. This one, a player, a big big defenseman out of the WHL. His name is Caden Korzak. He plays for the WHL's Kelowna Rockets. Right now ranked 31 in North America by NHL Central Scouting. So you factor in some of the Europeans and uh, maybe a goaltender in the first round. So Korzak, probably a top 50 pick for the 2019 draft. Well, you get introduced to him to close out this week's show. But we'll start it off with a NCAA campus report. Jimmy Connolly to set the stage, what's happening at this time of year around college puck. That's up first here on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. McKechnie wanted left half boards. McCarr skates down the boards to the corner, stops up there, then got around a defender to the side of the net, cuts in front, shoots and scores! A thing of beauty, a work of art, Car just took over this whole game, dangling a defender out of his skates in the left corner, cutting to the slot untouched. Hey, it's Kale McCarr of the Brooks Bandits, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris wow, and Duncan Keith and future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I'm not some TV personality, but I do love hee-haw. We're back on The Pipeline Show. It is Guy Flaming. It's another NCAA campus report brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. For all of you who are exploring your options and, and want to know what you need to do to keep your NCAA eligibility intact, that would be a good place to start. It is. It can be pretty tricky to figure out what you can and what you can't do uh, and what would void your uh, eligibility. So uh, go 
collegehockeyinc.com. Maybe get in touch with uh, the folks there, and uh, they could probably steer you on the right path. Uh, my guest today is Jimmy Conley from USCHO. Jimmy, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are things out in Boston? Uh, they're great. We got uh, we got our first real snowstorm of the season, so it actually feels like hockey season right as it's turning spring. So that's a, that's always the appropriate uh, reaction from Boston. You know how many people hearing that just now have just uh, flipped you the bird or you know swore <laughs> at you or something? Cause, uh, Listen, we've gotten snow this season, but we just hadn't had anything over a foot. Now we got a 14 incher on Monday, and that you know makes me feel like we're in the playoff season for hockey. Well, wow, that that actually surprises me, considering the weather across North America the, over the last month and a half or so that you guys kind of got off easy. We we definitely got off easy. And I'll, I'll, as a guy who's a homeowner now, I've had a house for about seven years, and I've hated every one of these winters since I've become a homeowner. So <laughs> uh, having to snowblow, having to find ways to get moved the snow and put it somewhere is usually the most difficult part. I'll take as little as possible. All right. Uh, let's get to the hockey. And uh, it is a, a conference playoffs to start this weekend for, uh, what, four of the six conferences. So it's that time of year, and everybody's got an eye on the, uh, the pairwise and the and the big national tournament as well. And when I look at the pairwise, the first thing that jumps out at me is how many big name teams are on the outside looking in. I mean, you could go through, you know, it's North Dakota, it's um, um, Minnesota, Michigan. Uh, there's a lot of uh, the the bigger name programs. Both Boston University, Boston College is a complete afterthought right now. Uh, are, are you surprised that there's so many of the perennial powerhouse schools uh, on the outside looking in right now? I am and I'm not. I mean, we've seen the trend toward newer teams, you know, having some real power on the national stage of late. You think of Union winning a national title, Yale winning a national title, Quinnipiac getting to a national title game, UMass Lowell reaching their first first quarter. All these have happened in the last five years, five, six years. And you've seen some other programs, you know, such as Minnesota Duluth really step, step up. St. Cloud State, they've played some great hockey and they'll likely be the number one team in the tournament for the second consecutive year. So you, you look at some of those types of, uh, teams and you know that they have some real cachet nowadays. And then the fact that these other teams, Minnesota, North Dakota, Boston University, uh, they just, they have been, you know, they now are the teams that are trying to catch up. The recruiting process hasn't been as easy for these clubs, and I think that's a big part of it as well. Well, and the, with those schools needing to win their conferences, basically, to to get in, that also means that there are some schools who don't normally or aren't always in there every year that will be in the big tournament this year. And the first one that comes to mind for me is Arizona State, and it's been, what, uh, since the early 90s, since a, an independent school has made the uh, the national tournament pretty great. It's a great story, isn't it, to see the Sun Devils there? It is a fantastic story, and to know what they've done it with, they still have not built their arena. The ground will break on the, that arena in the off season of this year. They just got funding for it last year, so they've been playing at a 700 seat arena called Oceanside Ice Arena, which is at least I think a thousand miles from the closest ocean. Yeah. And then they spent some time over at the uh, the Coyotes Arena, but those games are few and far between. And actually, they're the games that are less preferred to their head coach, Greg Powers, because they can't create that same atmosphere that 700 really rapid screaming fans can create uh, at Oceanside. They've been a great home team. Uh, they've they've not 
shied away from taking on the big dogs. They've played some of the best teams, I believe, out of the six conference champions that have been crowned in, in all six conferences. They played four of them at some point this year and had some success uh, against many. They they haven't had the best record against the top, top teams, the top ten maybe, you'd say, in, in the current pairwise. Um, but that hasn't mattered because they've played such a strong schedule. And they've actually made being an independent be a little bit of an advantage. You know, they basically have all non-conference games, so you can't be pulled down by the weakness of a conference. So, uh, you know, they, they don't have the same record as the best teams in the WCHA right now. But the WCHA played in such an incredibly weak conference this year. Their bottom of their conference did not do well in non-league play. As a whole, they were fifth out of six conferences in non-league play as a winning percentage. So, you know, teams in the WCHA, if they don't go perfect on their non-league schedule, then their conference play is not going to bring up their RPI. Well, Arizona State doesn't have that problem because all their conference games are their non-conference games. Every game feels the same to them, and they get to schedule some of the tougher teams. And you know, and you don't know when you're putting together a schedule three years ago that American International playing them twice down the stretch was actually going to be a big positive for your RPI because they ended up being one of the best teams when they were scheduled. They were a perennial 11th or 12th team or whatever they were in the in uh, Atlantic Hockey. They were at the bottom of the barrel, so. They've lucked out with some opponents too. That you know, some of these teams that they put on their schedule ended up being pretty good. Harvard being one of them. Boston University, I know that they're they're not an NCAA tournament team, but they're pretty good. Ohio State, they got on their their schedule. They didn't win those games, but the fact that they played them and they've played a lot of Big Ten schools, which you know, the Big Ten has had a very good out of conference schedule, so that has a strong conference RPI. So they've really made that independent. Uh, tag be an advantage for them this season and then when you're winning 21 games with that schedule you're putting yourself in an excellent position for that large bit it has been you mentioned it since 1992 when alaska anchorage did it three years in a row 90 91 and 92 they went to the tournament as an independent and joined the wcha so it's been a long time you haven't had a lot of independence and that's one reason but arizona state has found a way to do it right how uh, significant is the suspension to Jacob Wilson? How and how many games will he miss? He'll be obviously that'll impact the uh, the the club uh, when it comes to the national tournament, won't it? Yeah, well, they don't play a playoff game because they are as an independent. So their next game will be the national tournament. It'll be a national regional game, and he's been suspended for two games. Which one was automatic because he got a game disqualification for the the contact of the head penalty, and then the WCHA, which administers the rules and the officiating for Big Ten teams, and that's handled suspension. They tacked on an extra game. So if Arizona State's a one and done, he'll miss the one tournament game and one next season. Or if they make it to the regional final, then he'll miss both of those games. And I think you know he's a a decent player. You know he's not one of their players that they have to have in the lineup every night. Um, but you don't want to be missing players this time of year. And you can look at, you know, Quinnipiac and Yale. They had a bit of a skirmish last weekend where three of their players got disqualified and thus will miss their first playoff game. It'll be league playoffs. The Yale, they're going to play in the first round of the ECAC this weekend. They'll be without a player. And then Quinnipiac will be without two players, including Chase Prisky, who I know a lot of people have on their Hobie, radar, Hobie Baker radar screen. He's going to miss a, a game. He kicked a player the other night. He'll miss the first playoff game when they get to the ECAC quarterfinal. So it's interesting that, you know, 
tempers really seem to be boiling over and in, in cooler heads not prevailing at a time of year when you really need them to because you don't want to be missing from these high profile, these big games in the, in the tournaments. Oh, no kidding. I, I didn't hear that Persky had done that. He, he actually just kicked a guy? Yeah, it was, a, it was a skirmish after the whistle about halfway through the game against Yale the other night. And they're pretty bitter rivals as it is. Um, I don't think Yale likes having Quinnipiac in their backyard. Yale used to be, you know, the team of Southern Connecticut. And then when Quinnipiac joined the ECAC, you know, they had two teams within five minutes, six minutes of each other. Right. And I don't think Yale has ever appreciated that. And, of course, Yale beat Quinnipiac to win their only national title. Since then, I think Quinnipiac has won, it's like 13 out of 15 games against them. So there's a lot of rivalry built up there, and it boiled over about halfway through that game. Prisky didn't like something that was happening around the goaltender. Slams the guy down, and then while he was down, he kicked him in the head, and that was uh, caught by the referees, caught on video, and he'll miss at least one game. I haven't heard anything from the league. Whether they're going to do anything above one, I would doubt it. But um, it was a stupid play for a guy that's, again, in a really good position. He's competing for Kobe Baker. And you know, you're supposed to take into effect a, a, a the, the character of a player when you're voting for Kobe Baker. And he might have just cost himself um, some votes when it comes to Kobe Baker. Yeah, I would have to think so. Uh, all right, some of the teams that are kind of on the, the pairwise bubble uh, obviously going to have to wait and see what happens with the Atlantic Hockey uh, uh, champion. Whoever comes out of that conference gets the automatic bid. So a team like Notre Dame, who's 15th right now in the pairwise, I guess you could say they're 16th because whoever that champion out of the Atlantic Conference is automatically uh, gets a spot ahead of them. How much do the conference playoffs affect the pairwise? So a team like Harvard or Western Michigan or Notre Dame or Penn State, they're all 13, 14, 15, 16 they're really on the bubble, aren't they? They are. Uh, yeah, anybody I'd say from 12 on down, um, you know, down to 17, 18 are bubble teams. I think I did some of the math yesterday that if Lowell were to win every game, they're sitting at 18, you might as If they were to win every game, so that would be one this weekend, two in the quarterfinals, win their semifinals, lose in the finals, they'd still have about an 85% chance of getting in. So, wow. I think the bubble kind of ends at 18. If you play really well and you need the at-large bid, you might have a chance of getting in, but they don't control their own destiny. But the, the thing that stands out to me about the bubble, obviously you mentioned Atlantic hockey. They will take up one of the top 16 spots. Two more that become very interesting are the WCHA and the Big Ten, because in the WCHA, the only team within the top 16 is Minnesota State. In the Big Ten, the only team within the top 16 is Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So if either of those teams don't win their conference tournament, that's going to bring a team from below that bubble up and knock somebody out. So you're looking at you know, two, all you need is two really easy upsets in single elimination format that could happen uh, to, to occur. And now you're, you're moving that bubble from, you know, the, what everybody thinks is in the top 16, now moving it up to 13. Then maybe you have somebody, you know, come out of nowhere, say a Boston College and Hockey East. You've moved that bubble up. Now you have to be in the top 12 to, to, uh, earn your at large bid. It, so it gets very precarious. You've got to make sure that you're putting yourself in the best position. And bubble teams right now, 
anybody that's probably from 12 down should feel very unsafe. Even you never know if you're if you're in that uh, 10th or 11th position, you you put a few losses together, you're going to slip and you're going to end up in that you know 13, 14, 15, and you're going to have to be holding your breath conference tournament weekend saying, boy, I hope this team doesn't win. Boy, I hope this team does win. It's, it's the situation that Minnesota Duluth was in last year. Providence was in a number of years ago where you're just kind of sweating it out on the last night. You find out you're in by, as a, the case was last year, one ten thousandth of a percentage point in the pairwise. Wow. It's, it's really going to come down to the wire. That makes it exciting, I guess, for fans and everybody uh, watching. Uh, so there, there's something to that for sure. Let's uh, switch gears. Jimmy Conley from USCHO is my guest. Uh, this time of year we're always looking at uh, free agents to come out of college hockey that NHL teams will have their eye on and, and uh, Hobie Baker still to come as well. Uh, and sometimes those lists can cross over. And one guy that might be near the top of both of those lists is Taro Hirose of Michigan State, Canadian from Calgary. Uh, he's been on the show about a month ago, as a matter of fact. But this is a guy, he's leading college hockey in scoring as a junior. And you think a lot of teams would be, he'd be high on their list to sign as a free agent as well. Yeah, I think, you know, teams want to try to lock these free agents up after their junior year, if at all possible. And Hirose is a guy that's going to get offers. You know, he's, He's proven it in a, in a tough league and on a big stage that he can score, you know, 15 goals, 50 points in only 34 games. You know, when you look at an offensive talent, he's probably the highest end free agent. And again, he's playing in the Big Ten, so you're getting a lot of exposure. A lot of, you know, if you look at every Friday and Saturday this time of year, there's at least one game on the Big Ten network. So this second half of the season, you know, he's played very well when though the spotlight has been on. When he's been on TV, you've noticed him. When he's not been on TV, I still find him in the stat sheet every week. So he's a player that I know Dan Cole loves, um, and he, he's developed really well. You know, he slid through the cracks of the draft somehow, but now he's in a position that uh, the scoring alone, the offense alone, could, could do something for him and allow him to get that free agent contract. Are there uh, maybe three or four other uh, potential free agent signings that are, are close uh, to the uh, the top of your list that you that you expect guys who will sign. Yeah, I think um, you know I think two seniors that are going to get some some real looks are Ryan Kuffner and uh, Max Farino from Princeton. They were obviously on a lot of player uh, people's screens radar screens last year when they won uh, the Ivy League title. They won the ECAC title. They were a real high profile team. They were supposed to come back, return most of their team, and be that team once again this year, and they just haven't been able to do so. That said, they've both been putting up really high uh, offensive stats. Uh, looking Kuffner, 40 points, Barrett, 36 points, and both only played 29 games. So they, you know, they're doing all the right things. Their team maybe is, and I always say that that's one of the things that worries me. But I also feel that scouts nowadays are digging a little deeper. I always felt. You know, if I go back when I was first in college hockey 25 plus years ago, that the teams that lost players early were teams that had success. But now, over the last few years, I've seen a lot of signings happening for teams that aren't even, you know, on player radars. These are kids that they want to get out of college because they're not maybe enjoying their experience. The team isn't playing well. And some NHL teams have given kids contracts. It, you know, maybe that's not the right thing to do, but. Uh, I don't feel like you have to be uh, an NCAA tournament team to get on the, uh, the NHL's radar anymore. Um, another couple of players, I think um, Odin Tufto at Quinnipiac, he's only a sophomore, and that you know he might want to stay around there a little bit longer, but he's a real 
good offensive talent and a kid that very few people have probably heard of, but I guarantee you the Holy Baker finally could jump into the hat trick is uh, Joe Duzek from Mercyhurst. He's a defenseman with a lot of offensive skill. He's a good puck-moving defenseman. I went out uh, about a month and a half ago to see him play, and he was the real deal. You know, you know, the, the team's down a goal, and he picks off a puck, you know, in the defensive zone, somewhere around the top of the circles, and he's just speed. And he was able to light it by. Everybody goes in, makes a great move on the goaltender, scores. That's the type of player he is, and uh, a lot of people don't know about him, but I think that there's enough scouts, and I, I know that that weekend, uh, talking to the AD out at Mercyhurst, they had about 10 NHL scouts at both games, which is not always the case at an Atlantic hockey game, but there's a lot of scouts looking at Lucan at Duzak, and I think he'll be somebody that, that will uh, probably get the contract offer at some point this offseason. I don't know how much you've seen Arizona State play, but Princeton Pashnuk is from uh, our our area up here, played in the Alberta Junior Hockey League with Bonneville. Not the biggest guy in the world, 5'10", 5, 5 uh, and 11, uh, somewhere around that mark, but really physical, and he's putting up good numbers uh, for the Sun Devils. And I remember when I had him on the show, he talked about how he loves to fight. Obviously, he can't do that uh, at the NCAA level, but um, is this a guy who you give maybe a fighting chance to as a free agent? Well, I think the size can go a long ways with him. And I did, I've seen them play now a couple of times and I've gone to a couple of their practices and, uh, talked to their coach. And obviously, you know, he's second in scoring, uh, as a defenseman on that team. Um, but he's also one of the more reliable players. And, you know, having talked to a number of people, you know, everybody talks about two players on that team, Johnny Walker and, uh, Joey Decor, the goaltender. Um, and I don't think anybody holds Walker's rights either. I, I, I might be wrong about that. No, you're right. Uh, I know Decord is uh, somebody has his rights, and he'll probably be out of there after this year. But I would give Pass 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 and Is that I'm not even saying the right Pass Pass and <laughs> Just two two syllables. Pass Nuck. Pass Nuck. There you go. There you go. Pass People are going to give him uh, probably a better look than even Johnny Walker because he's a two way player. Obviously, he's a defenseman. You have to be, but he has that puck moving skill. Johnny Walker. He's a very talented offensive player, and he has a nose for the net, and he will finish. But his big knock on his game right now is that he does not get back. He does not play defense. He'll make more defensive mistakes, and uh, you know he'll get into himself into some trouble on the defensive side. Then all of a sudden, the puck goes up ice, and he'll score a goal. It's one of those you know type of players that the puck just seems to find him. But you also worry about him every time he's on the ice, whether he's going to get back and even play any defense. So I think that past not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get this. It's not getting any better. Yeah. Uh, it's probably going to have more of a look. You know, I, I did like him when he played um, at Harvard and, and saw him there, and I've seen him on tape a lot because uh, a lot of their games are, are um, shown on uh, Pac-12 and through streaming. So uh, he's he's a guy, and he's, he seems to be the real deal, a junior, and he you know he'll he's at the age he'll start getting some looks. All right, last uh, subject would be the uh, the Hobie Baker guys that you think will be on on the short list. You. You mentioned that you think uh, – was it uh, Joe Duzak that you said you thought might be uh... – I think, Yeah, I think he'll get some looks. There's no doubt about that. I think that there's a chance that there could be you know, three defensemen uh, maybe in the Hobie Trahatra this year, and it's not going to be based on points. It's going to be based on just how good they are. You know, I, Kale McCarr is somebody we haven't even mentioned, probably the overall best player in college hockey right now. Coached in hockey, so, you know – kind of said he really should have left last year um, and headed to Colorado, but he, he came back for another year. He's the best player in hockey. He's 
hands down. Um, we mentioned Chase Prisky a little bit. He might have hurt himself um, with his antics last week. Yeah. And then in terms of points, of those guys, Joe Duzak actually has the most points, most points per game um, of that trio. So I think those guys will all get some looks. And then you have, I haven't even mentioned Adam Fox, right. who, you know, he has done some great things at Harvard. So it's, it's we you go a long time without seeing a lot of defensemen get into a, a position to win the Hobie Baker. It's such a forward late in award. Um, but here you have a year that you have four guys that are going to be pretty legit candidates um, as defensemen. I mean, it, we mentioned Hiroshi. I think he's going to get a look. Evan Barrett at Penn State, he's a fantastic player. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, maybe Nico Sturm at Clarkson gets a look. Maybe Patrick Newell at Cloud State. All of these guys. They're putting up the points, but it just feels like one of those years. It feels like it's going to be the year of the defenseman. I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those really talented blue liners take it home. Well, and then if there's another defenseman we didn't, we also haven't mentioned Quinn Hughes. Would he be a consideration? <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? I, I think that he, you have to kind of put him in there. Um, you know, obviously his he's more of a defensive defenseman, and I think that Hobie likes points. We always say that Hobie likes scoring and. The fact that he has 33 points in 30 games, not bad. Five goals, yeah, that's, you know, goal scoring kind of does kind of go, but he's so responsible and he's such a good defensive defenseman. It's hard to overlook him entirely, but I feel like there's so many good candidates right now at the defensive position. I, I don't think when I say this, I don't think that when they really do the balloting out, it matters how many defensemen they have in the top 10. So to think that they could have five out of the top ten as defensemen is not out of the question in my mind. Um, but if it was one that might get left out just because, not because of his talent, not because of his ability, but because, as I say, Hobie likes scoring, I think that, you know, Hughes, just the fact that he doesn't have double-digit goal numbers, that that might be able to be something that hurts him. All right, we'll watch for that. Uh, as always, Jimmy, fantastic to catch up with you. I forgot to get you on uh, during Beanpot uh, season, so uh, my apologies for that. Uh, it was an annual tradition that I let slip by uh, this year. Well, I'll, I'll, I won't make that same mistake uh, next season. But uh, great to catch up with you once again. All right, Keen. Hopefully, one of these bean pods someday. You're just going to be down in Boston. We'll, we'll be able to talk to you as a live. I really want you to, to make it to that tournament someday. Oh, I'd love it. That would be fantastic. Thanks, Jimmy. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Gabe. The one, the only, Jimmy Conley from USCHO. He's been a guest on the Pipeline Show. Boy, must be going back to like year two or three of the program. Uh, always a guy that I can count on to deliver the goods when it comes time to talk some college puck. Up next is a guy playing college hockey, Canadian, who's actually on the uh, list, uh, the rather long list of nominees for the Hobie Baker Award as college hockey's a top player. Guy who told me he grew up dreaming to play in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and then at uh, age 16, 17, made a detour and uh, headed to Boston to join the Northeastern Huskies. His name is Jeremy Davies. He's uh, drafted by the New Jersey Devils. Get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show. This is Guy Gadowski from Penn State Hockey. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. 
view the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Badass. It is badass. Really cool. Badass, yeah. It's The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. It's the uh, NCAA Campus Report segment brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. If you are a player and wanting to explore all your options and uh, haven't thought too much about the college option and want to learn more about what you need to do to maintain your NCAA eligibility, maybe you got uh, a player in your family that uh, is considering the college path, why don't you check out collegehockeyinc.com, maybe get in touch with uh, Nate Ewell or any of the people at College Hockey Inc., and uh, they'll steer you in the right path. Uh, my guest today is a Canadian who uh, is playing for Northeastern and uh, also one of the uh, 70 or 80 uh, players uh, on the, uh, I, I would say the short list, but it's a rather long list of uh, of Hobie Baker nominees. Uh, my guest is Jeremy Davies uh, from uh, Northeastern. Uh, Jeremy, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. Good. It's a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. And, uh, boy, you guys are having a, a pretty fine season. You're leading the team in scoring. You mentioned the Hobie Baker nomination. Uh, I have to think you're pretty happy with the season so far. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had a, a really good season so far. Um, we got a really, a really, um, good team, really deep, uh, really good goaltending goal and, uh, an awesome coaching staff. So, um, we're happy with the way our season's uh, been going, and we got one more game until playoffs. Yeah, second place right now as we're sp- as we're speaking uh, in Hockey East in the conference, but you have that one more game coming up this weekend. Now, you guys have been uh, playing some pretty consistent hockey and getting a lot of wins here in the second half. I know you had somewhat of a, a bit of a you know win one lose one sort of stretch in mid January to mid February, but uh, since then. You just been racking up the wins. How important is getting this last win against New Hampshire getting into the playoffs? Uh, it's huge. It's huge for placement. Um, you know, we know how big the game is, uh, how much it means, and um, it's also important for us to make sure we play well uh, on Friday so we have some momentum going into the playoffs. Is there concern at all with in terms of the pairwise in the national tournament? Are you guys sitting right now 11th in the pairwise, but for me, that's like trying to figure out Greek. Yeah. Uh, sometimes uh, trying to understand the pairwise. You guys know exactly where you stand. Do you, I mean, is it, uh, it? You're not in a situation where you have to win Hockey East to get in, right? You're, you guys are okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. We're we're not too sure about that. Uh. Like you said, it's a pretty complicated system. <laughs> yeah. But uh, obviously, the pairwise is something that's always in the back of our mind. But at the end of the day, it's just another hockey game. Uh, I think no matter where you you stand in the pairwise or in in the rankings, um, you always want to play well. And um, Friday is just another one of those nights. All right. Well, take me through uh, parts of the season. I know in uh, late November, you guys, or I guess mid November, you started really going to roll. I think you won eight games in a row, something like that. And then I mentioned you had that little bit of a dip. When you look back at the uh, the, the success you had early on, what was going right for you that maybe wasn't there when the losses started to come your way, or was it just quality of competition? Uh, I, th- I think it's a bit of both. Um, we we are we're off to a really hot start there, um, but but at the same time we had a couple out of conference games, and um, you know we might have played some weaker teams where we were able to put up a bunch of goals, mm-hmm. um, and I think we got a, we might have gotten a little too high. 
Um, and then we played some really good competition in uh, UMass Amherst and Providence. Um, and I think we kind of took our opponent, we might have taken our opponent um, a little too lightly. Um, but I, I, I think that was uh, a good experience for our team to uh, kind of go through because I think we've grown as a team from it. Um, we now know how much every game means and um, how we have to treat every game the same way. Um, so I think we're a better team from all our ups and downs. And, um, you know, we look forward to um, our last game here on Friday and then the playoffs. Yeah, I was going to ask if, if, you know, I'm sure you'd like to win every game in the season and go undefeated, but having a little adversity along the way might actually make you a better team once the playoffs get here. Yeah, no, it uh, it, it definitely did. Um, you know, we 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 know we're not going to be undefeated throughout the whole season. That's just not a, a realistic goal. Um, so uh, we, we don't strive to be perfect. Um, we we know there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, and um, we use them as kind of learning uh, learning curves and um, hurdles that we have to go through. And um, you know, we take pride in watching tape and watching video, and uh, you know, kind of doing our homework and see what we can get better at. Um, so I think those two weekends against those two really good teams were kind of um, learning curves for us, and um, I think it's made us a lot uh, um, of a better team because of it. Well, and who knows? Your chances are pretty good. You'll run into one or both of those clubs uh, in the Hockey's Conference playoffs as well along the way, so you can exact some revenge there. Uh, the uh, Jeremy Davies is my guest here on the Pipeline Show, leading scorer with uh, the Huskies of Northeastern. Uh, tell me about the Beanpot experience for you. This is year three, so you've been through it. But uh, coming away with a, a, a championship like that, that's got to be a thrill. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, my freshman year, uh, we, we kind of had a tough go. Uh, we lost in the first game against Harvard. Um, and then we played in the Constellation game the week after. Um, that was a big disappointment for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of going into it, our my sophomore year, um, I thought we had a really talented team. Um, we had some high scoring forwards, some really good goaltending going for us. So, um, we kind of saw that as an opportunity to win it for the first time in 30 years. And, um, we were able to pull that off. Um, you know, it's probably, I tell people it's the most fun I've ever had playing hockey and, um, that feeling kind of never gets old. So to repeat at this time, it, um, it was just awesome for our group and, um, you know, we're, we're so thrilled, um, that we were able to get another win and go back to back. Now you're a Canadian kid, right? Did well, what about yeah. uh, just outside of Montreal? Yeah. So l- go back when you. I mean, when you're a kid, was Northeastern even? Did you even had you heard of Northeastern? I mean, thinking of the bean pot and what it meant to you now. Look back ten years ago, you, had you even heard of it? No. Yeah. Um I, I I didn't even know what college hockey was until I was about sixteen or seventeen. Um, growing up, I was always watching Q games, and I always wanted to go to the Q. I got drafted to the. Uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and it was always a goal of mine to play there. And then um, I had someone introduce me to um, college hockey, and I was fortunate enough to go watch a couple games. Um, Mike Matheson is a player who kind of paved the way for me, Um, and I was really lucky to go watch him play for BC um, when I was about 16 or 17. And then uh, I kind of put the cue aside, and I had some new goals that, in mind that I wanted to achieve and that was to attend a Boston school. Um, and I think I, I made the right decision coming to Northeastern. All right. Why Northeastern? You mentioned Boston college and obviously BU's there, Harvard's there. There's a number of schools in that area. Uh, in even in Maine, if you wanted to be a little closer or Vermont closer to home, 
why uh, specifically Northeastern was the, the right fit for you? Yeah, um, I, I think the biggest part about Northeastern that kind of separates um, them from BC and BU is um, the odd, underdog mentality um, and, and the blue-collar attitude that comes along with playing for Northeastern. Um, there, there's just so much compete within our team um, to get in the lineup. Um, you know, there's no superstars on this team. Uh, unlike, uh, some other teams, we're really deep and we know the way we need to play, um, you know, to, uh, to, to beat teams like BC and BU. Um, and I mean, since I've been here and I've been fortunate enough to play on such great teams with such great players, um, that have really developed into, you know, a couple of NHLers at Northeastern. So, um, I think Northeastern's kind of taken that underdog mentality and, and right now is is on top, especially in the past two years because of the bean pot. Uh, now you said uh, as a kid growing up, you wanted to play in the queue. You were drafted by I want to say it was Victoriaville, if I remember correctly. That's correct. Now, when you decide yeah. to to finally say, okay, I'm going to go to the college route, is that an easy choice to make? Because you'd been wanting to play in the queue your whole life. I mean, there's takes a little bit of courage to suddenly back away from that. Yeah, it uh, it was uh, it was definitely a pretty tough decision, but. Um, and I was uh, I was a little immature at that age. It's pretty tough to make those huge decisions for uh, for yourself as a 15, 16, 17 year old. So credit goes to my parents um, with kind of helping helping guide me and sending me off to the USHL, um, which was a huge step for me. And then getting that uh, that offer from Northeastern, um, it, it was a no brainer for me and my family, and um, it, it's it's paid off uh, big time. Uh, no kidding. Well, seventh round pick. By the New Jersey Devils back in uh, 2016. Uh, that was after your second season in the USHL with the uh, Bloomington Thunder, who have become the Central Illinois Flying Aces, and they're folding now. So I don't know if you had heard that news, but uh, uh, they're uh, not playing next year. We'll see what happens uh, with that club. But your two years in the USHL, um, there are a number of Canadians. Most of the most of the Canadians in the USHL actually come from out east. Um, but uh, did you talk to some other guys? Who would have gone that route as well? Find out what that league was about before you got there. Yeah, um, you know, there's there's a lot of leagues out there. There's the BCHL and and leagues like that, and there's Ontario leagues. But the one that kind of sticks out and in terms of commitment and development and, and at the college level and at the NHL level is the USHL. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing Mike Matheson go to Dubuque from um, from my midget team to Dubuque and then to Boston College, it it. Uh, you know, it kind of gave me that vision of doing the same thing. And um, I was really fortunate to be able to play on um, such a great um, team there that we had in Bloomington for two years. Um, I, I think I took some huge steps there. And then um, it really got me prepared to come play um, in hockey and be able to contribute to my team. Jeremy Davies of Northeastern is my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the NCAA Campus Report. Uh, playing for Jim Madigan, uh, how has he helped you become a better player? Um, he, he's helped me, he's helped me, um, you know, become a better player, person, student. Um, he, he holds you accountable. A uh, big thing I've been focusing on since I've been here is my, my play away from the puck and my play in my own zone. Um, and he, he's definitely sat me down. He's had some meetings with me, um, you know, reminding me what, what I need to work on to get to the next level. Um, it's not something he takes lightly because he, you know, he wants to see his players succeed. Um, and just being, being a part of a culture that he's created here, 
Um, like I said, it's a blue collar mentality. You come to work every day and you, you, you really put in the work and practice and you take steps forward throughout the week for, um, the weekend game. So that's, it's really been something, um, fun to be a part of. And, um, he, he's been great to play for. I wonder what your expectations were for the team this year coming into the season. I know Adam Gaudet, no Dylan Secura, no uh, Nolan Stevens. So you lost three really big scores from last year's club. Yet it doesn't, at least in, the, in terms of the standings, hasn't seemed to really affect uh, your success at all this year. Now, I mean, you're leading the team in scoring at 32 points. Uh, I mean, Goddard had, what, 60 or something last year. So it's a, yeah. you know, more offense by committee sort of feel this year? Yeah, no, we, we knew we were going to be a different team, but we we also knew that we weren't going to be a worse team. Um, um, it, it's It's been different this year, that's for sure, but we're so deep. Um, in some ways it's better because we're having everyone chip in and everyone contribute and everyone feels a part of the, uh, the puzzle and part of the success here. Um, our forwards have been great. You know, we got four lines going pretty much every night and, um, you know, we got four D that log a lot of minutes, but we're, we're we also have five and six who, um, are, are freshmen and who are able to kind of step up for us when we need them to, to play, um, to play on any given night. And, um, obviously we have Caden Primo, uh, in Nets who I don't need to say too much about. Um, so we've been a lot, it's been a lot different than last year. That's for sure. But we're really with happy with the way it's played out so far. Now, Jeremy, I assume, uh, I mean, as a defenseman leading the team in scoring, you've got the green light to go, uh, offensively from the coaching staff. Uh, you're an offensive minded guy. Offense has always kind of been your thing. So it, uh, to some degree comes naturally for you. Um, yeah, it's it's always something I've loved to do. Um, you know, it started when I was young, I think playing, playing a lot of three on three, um, playing out outdoors with my buddies. I've always loved the, the offensive part of the game. Um, I actually played forward for a couple of years until I was about, um, 14 or so. Um, so it's always been, I've always loved creating goals, scoring goals, helping, helping the team score goals. Um, but at the same token, I understand that. Um, I'm a defenseman and defense comes first and um, I'm on this team to, to to create goals but at the same time stop them from stop the other team from scoring goals. So it's something I love, it's something I try and do, something I try and bring to the team, but um balancing my game out and being a two way defenseman is definitely something I've tried to work on and it's something I'm gonna need to do in order to get to the next level. Well, speaking of the le- next level, uh, Devil Fan would a- want me to ask about, uh, what you think about, you know, next year and what comes next for you. I- I'm sure you're focused on uh, just uh, the next game and-, and getting through the uh, hockey's playoffs and into the national tournament. But do you think about the next step and, and when that might be? Um, it-, it, to be honest, it's something I thought about a little bit. Um, it's, it, you know, it's in the back of your mind. It's something you think about, but, um, I don't think it's a dis- decision that most players should make during the season. Um, like I said, we've, we've played a couple huge games the past couple weeks. And like I said, we got a big weekend coming up here and then, and then it's playoff time. So, um, it, it's a decision I'm going to have to make, but, um, there's going to be a time for that at the end of the season. And, um, I like the opportunity that our team has right now and, um, uh, making the most out of this opportunity is, the most important for myself and my teammates. What is your relationship like with the Devils during the season? Are they in contact with you or your advisor uh, all the time? Yeah, no, it's been great. Um, ever since I've been drafted there, they they treat their they treat their prospects extremely well. Um, any questions, concerns that I might have about my game, they tell me. Um, 
they usually have someone at most of my games, um, and I'm in contact with their player development. Um, if that there is there's something they see that they want me to work on, they they tell me right away. And um, going there for a development camp in July is definitely a week I have circled on my calendar. It's it's a lot of fun. We get treated treated like NHLers and mm-hmm. get to meet a lot of the staff and the prospects and some current players too. So it's 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 been awesome so far. It's been really fun to be a part of and um, to be drafted by them was really excited, really, really exciting. Well, Jeremy, you're having a fantastic season. Now, one more game to go in the regular season, and then things get really interesting. We'll be watching from afar. Thanks for your time. Best of luck. All right. Thanks, man. Take it easy. That was Jeremy Davies from Northeastern playing for the Huskies, a defenseman there, and having a terrific season. Not often you see defensemen leading the team in scoring, but he is one of those guys this year for the Huskies. So, Devil fans, I know you'd want me to ask uh, when he's turning pro and all that stuff. Never really expect much of a revealing answer from a player, but uh, there you go. All right, after the next break, uh, we'll turn on the 2019 Draft Spotlight twice to finish out uh, this week's show. My next guest, his name is Josh Nodler. He plays for the Fargo Force in the USHL, ranked in the top uh, 100 for NHL Central Scouting, at least in North America. Fully expect he's a uh, top three-round kind of guy. Slated to go to Michigan State, but also has the CHL option with the Sarnia Sting. And yes, I did ask the question, and he did answer. Learn more about Josh Nodler when we come back. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming. McCarthy trying to get it out of his own zone. Picks it up again behind the USA goal. This time a safe play, and he finds Turcotte. With Gildon, shorthanded, and over line, Turcotte. Out in front, score! What a move! Alex Turcotte, a shorthanded goal. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Just do it. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We're going to flick on the switch for the 2019 draft spotlight, and today that is going to take us to the USHL and uh, specifically to Fargo, North Dakota. My guest today is uh, Josh Nodler of the uh, Fargo Force. Uh, welcome to the program, Josh. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to get a chance to uh, speak with you today. Going all the way back to the summer uh, and uh, the Holinka Gretzky Cup, your your name was one that's been circled on my list to get to this year. So it's taken me a little longer than maybe I expected it would, but uh, it was definitely uh, you're one of the guys I wanted to chat with. Uh, tell me about this season uh, for the Fargo Force and and for you specifically, and how you think uh, you and the team have been playing this year. Um, well, first off, it's, um, it's been a really great year in terms of, um, development and, and getting, getting better at my game. It's a great, you know, it's a great place to play here. And, um, I really love the coaches. They're very demanding and they expect a lot out of you, which, you know, it forces you to get better each and every day. Um, I think throughout the season, we, you know, there's been times where it's been a little inconsistent, but, you know, I think lately we've been playing really strong hockey. Um, we've been in kind of a tight, a tight race for fourth and fifth spot right now. We've been kind of jumping back and forth the last few weeks, but, I think we're kind of on the upwards trend, and we just got to stay strong and, and keep playing well going into this playoff push coming up around the corner. 
as defending champs, and I know you weren't with the team full-time last year, but I think you have a bit of a target on your back. Everybody's trying to knock you guys off. Yeah, I think most of I think, you know, whenever you're the defending champ, everyone wants, you know, has a little, uh, little more ambition to kind of knock you off, which, which just, you know, gives us more, more motivation to keep working hard and, and play back and give a pushback to each team that tries. You got a couple players on your team, uh, leading the team and scoring by like 20 points, and then it's you. What's your role on the club? Um, well, I think, uh, first off, the two players leading our, in leading our club are great players, but I think, I think my role is just to try and, um, you know, play Good at both ends of the ice, you know, good offensive and uh, defensive game. Um, I try and use my hockey sense to make plays and and make responsible plays and, and get and create offense. But um, other than that, I just do as much as I can to help the team in, in any area that I can. Uh, that would be uh, Ben Myers and Hank Crone, the two other guys. Do you play with either one of them, or are you on a different line altogether? Um, so most of the year, I've, I've played with both both those two, and it's been great. They they taught me a lot, you know that. They've been around the league a long time, and, and they know, and um, they've taught me a lot of things about the game and just little details that, that help, have helped me throughout the season. Uh, now, Josh, tell me about uh, the, getting a crack. This, I mean, this is your rookie season uh, in the USHL, but you did have a couple of games last year with the Force. I wonder how important just that small taste of the league uh, was to get you prepared for this year. Sure. Like you said, it was just a small taste, but it really showed me how, um, how fast and how physical and how, how things move. In a, at a much higher pace um, in this league, and it kind of gave me gave me an idea of what I need to work on um, throughout the rest of the season, coming into this season. Um, but it was it was a great experience. Those few games that I played, it, it really showed me, um, like I said, the things I need to work on, and just kind of how I need to prepare for the season. Excellent, uh, Josh Nodler, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. He's a forward with the uh, Fargo Force of the USHL. Josh, uh, this part of the show, we kind of. Let the audience kind of get to know somebody in your position, uh, draft eligible, NHL draft year. But not everybody that's hearing this is going to know uh, who you are and sure. might not ever get to see the Fargo Forest play. So let's get a bit of background, if you don't mind. Uh, where are you from? I'm from Detroit, Michigan, specifically Oak Park. Okay, how far away is is that, like a suburb, a bedroom uh, community? Yeah, it's a suburb of Detroit. It's about 20 minutes away. All right. How old were you when you first started playing? Do you remember? Um, Sure, yeah. I was about three or four when I started skating and then joined like a, an actual team when I was around six. Have you always been a forward? You're a forward now. Yes, I've always I've always played forward, mostly center, but this year I've been playing a lot of wing, but yeah, I've always been a forward my whole life. Okay, before we get to I'm going to ask you a little bit about uh, going from center to wing, but uh, as a kid, did you ever play defense and like try it out? I know a lot of guys, when they're really young, have to take their turn in net. Uh, did you ever have a game like that? Yeah, I think I, when I was really young, I might have had a try. I don't know, I don't know how well I did. I kind of I think the forward was definitely worse, well suited for me. I don't know how great of a goalie I was, but I think when I was real young, um, I know my dad was a defenseman when he played, so I think I might have uh, might have played a little bit. But I think I've always uh, I've always shaded more towards being a forward. And making that uh, switch to the wing this year, it, does it matter left or right? Do you, you're a right-handed shot, so do you, you when you're on the wing, are you on the right side? Yes, I usually play the right side. Okay, has that been an easy transition to make? Um, it, you know, at first it was a little difficult. There's, you know, there's a lot of different things you have to do with, um, de- you know, defensive zone coverage and and getting the puck on the wall. But overall, it hasn't been too hard of a transition. And like, like I said, playing with Ben Myers and Hank Crown most of the year, it, it, it made it a lot easier. So, oh. um, it, it's been going really well. And according to the Central Scouting uh, list, they have you at five eleven and a quarter and one hundred ninety four pounds. Another sheet I have uh, here in front of me says you're six feet. Uh, what is it actually? I think it's around five eleven and a half. 
let's just call it a hair under six. Uh, what about weight right. wise? Are you about just shy of 200 pounds? Yeah, I'm about, I've lost a few pounds. I'm about, uh, 189. I actually weighed in this morning for the team. Okay. Um, 189 this morning, yeah. Now, it's not a, a, a big drastic weight loss or a drop in poundage, but do you feel it differently on the ice? Yeah, I think that's, that's something heading into the season. I think, I thought I was just a little bit heavy and, and losing a few pounds definitely helped me get, you know, a few extra steps, separation from guys on the ice and, um, you know, create, you know, a little bit more explosiveness for myself. Uh, tell me about uh, the the, uh, the the jump from you're playing in Michigan at, with uh, the Honeybake squad, right? Uh, last year, yeah. Uh, to go to Fargo now, I mean, it's a move from Michigan to North Dakota. It's also a step up hockey wise. Sure. Which has been the the bigger transition for you, or the tougher one, going from Michigan to North Dakota, or the step up in hockey? Oh, that's a tough one. They're, they're both they've both been tough, but um, I'd have to say the hockey. You know, just because it's a, everyone's more competitive. It's a bigger, faster game, um, so I think that's been a little bit harder transition, but I don't know, the, we- the weather here is, uh, it gets pretty cold here, so that's been a little bit of a transition, but um, I don't know, but other than that, I think I'd say the hockey, um, but it's been going real well so far, i just got to keep it up the rest of the season. Well, big city Detroit to uh, smaller city Fargo, I-, I imagine that takes a little getting used to as well. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's you know, coming into Fargo, I wasn't really sure what to expect, but obviously it's a little bit smaller of a town. You know, it's not like big cities such as Detroit, but it's a nice town. The people are really nice. There's a lot of, you know, good things to do here and good restaurants and, you know, activities to do. So um, I really enjoyed my time here so far. Josh, I mentioned the Holinka Gretzky Cup uh, from this past summer. Now, you only got to play the one game here in Edmonton. We can chat about the end of that game in a second if you want. But overall, that ex- the, the tournament here... Uh, you played most of your games with the U.S. in Red Deer, uh, but seven points in five games uh, through that tournament for you. Uh, you were one of the guys I thought was a uh, one of the standouts uh, from the U.S. squad. How did you feel you played in that event? Um, I thought I played um, real well in that event. It was, it was such a great tournament. We had such a great group of guys, and it was such a good time. And um, it was a little disappointing the, the way uh, the way we lost and how it turned out in the semifinals. But I think uh, we bounced back really well against Russia and played a, a really strong game and. I'm really proud of the guys and, and everything we accomplished there. Uh, when you look back at it now and the way it ended with that goal that uh, probably should not have counted, in fact, I say probably, but definitely should not have counted, uh, and end up losing the semifinal against Canada, when you look back now, are you are you bitter? I've talked to some of your teammates from that squad. Some of them are, you know, kind of water off a duck's back and life goes on. Other guys are still a little bitter. Sure. Well, you know, it's always in the back of your mind and, you know, a little bitter about it, but, you know, there's nothing you can really do about it, and you just kind of got to keep it back to your mind and 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 just kind of move on. But it, it definitely um definitely a little bitter you know subject just because you know the big rivalry between Canada and the United States is such an emotional, passionate game. But um you know you just got to you know keep it in the back of your head and just you know just kind of move on from that. There's nothing you can really do about it. Playing meaningful games in August like that did that give you a bit of a boost to get ready for the regular season this year? Oh yeah, most definitely. Those um those games at the Lincoln really got me ready and. And, and motivated and pumped for for the season here in Fargo. Now, is the draft something that you uh, spend a lot of time thinking about? Again, I talk to a lot of players on this show, and and it's one of two camps. No, I don't want to think about it. It's a, it could be a distraction, or yeah, I think about it all the time. It's my, you know, I hope I only have one draft year. I want to experience everything. So, some guys are always looking at rankings. Some guys never want to look at it. What about for you, Josh? Right. You know. You know. It's something that I, I think I definitely think about. Um. You know, because it's been a, a my number one dream since I was a little, a little kid to hopefully one day get, you know, be drafted in the NHL. But 
also something that I don't try and think about um, too much because I just want to, you know, work as hard as I can every day and, and just play my game and hopefully the chips fall where they may. So, um, that's not, you know, that's something you can't worry too much about. You just got to um, focus on what your task at hand and, and play as hard as you can each and every day. Are there areas of your game that you're trying to focus on and sharpen up here before the end of the season? Yes, most definitely. I think uh, I think the biggest area that I need to sharpen up and, and kind of focus focus in on is my explosiveness and um, and skating. Just mm. you know, getting the first three quick strides, get separation from people on the ice, and be able to create time and space for myself with my skating. Now, as a Michigan uh, kid, Detroit your team, or were you cheering for somebody else, kind of uh, behind enemy lines? Oh no, definitely, uh, definitely a big Detroit Red Wings fan growing up. Um, my dad's always been a huge fan. Most of my family has as well. So. Um, I've always been a huge Red Wings fan. Well, big Michigan guy then. Uh, Michigan State, your uh, college of choice. Uh, now, the sheet I'm looking at says for 2020, uh, season 21, um, so a couple of years from now, or are, could you be ready to go next year? Um, I, I think I'm going to be uh, ready to go in next year, yeah. Okay. Uh, tell me why uh, playing for the Spartans was the right fit for you. Uh, um, as a Detroit guy, certainly Michigan, lots of uh, Division One schools to, to pick from, and imagine uh, you had some options. Uh, why was being a Spartan, the uh, the right fit. Sure. Well, um, I've I've always been a, a Spartan fan. I've always wanted to um, play for the Spartans, and I think they had such a historic uh, historic um, program there, and and they really do a good job at developing their players and and um, getting them for the next level. And and another part of it is that it's close to home, and I'll be able um you know be able for my friends and family to be able to see me, which is which is definitely part of it, but. They have such a good program there and, and, a, and a great atmosphere and a great culture, and that's something that really drew me to them. should ask you, you also have a, a CHL option with the uh, Ontario Hockey League Sarnia Sting. Is that a consideration for you at all? They they did draft you back in uh, in 2017 in the sixth round, um, but is it something you've considered? Yeah, you know, that's definitely um, something I've considered. The OHL is, you know, a great league, but I think I've always had, a, had an ambition to play college, and that's something that I've stuck to. Okay, fair enough. Uh, between now and the end of the regular season, we talked about things you want to uh, improve in your game. Are there some other milestones? I don't know if you're a guy who sets like statistical goals for yourself or anything like that at the start of the year, but is there anything else on your to-do list? Um, uh, you know, obviously, like I said about my skating and explosiveness, it's something a big area. But other than that, I just try and just try and play my game every day and and hopefully do the best I can to help the team win. Great attitude, Josh. Appreciate your time today. I certainly wish you the best of luck, whatever happens the rest of the season with uh, with Fargo and at the draft. I uh, hope we can chat again. Perfect. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Now, unfortunately, I only got to see Team USA play once uh, during the Holinka Gretzky Cup. There were a number of players on that squad that I had an interest in uh, keeping tabs on. Remember uh, my friend Chris Peters, who uh, writes at ESPN, is a frequent guest on the show. He was telling me, I asked him uh, before... The U.S. came to Edmonton for the uh, the medal round. I said, uh, "Who's looked good to you?" And and uh, Josh was one of the players that he pinpointed, and uh, so I had him circled on my list. And then I liked him in the game against Canada. We all know how that ended, but so I've been uh, checking in along the way and seeing how he's been playing this year, and just uh, always been a name that's uh, been on my uh, my checklist to get on the show. A number of those other guys still on that squad: John Farinacci, one of them. Luke Toporowski played on that on that team. Uh, Grant Silianov, another guy who was on uh, the Team USA squad. So lots more work for me to do before the NHL draft actually arrives. But uh, that was Josh Nodler in the 2019 draft spotlight. Another edition of the spotlight coming up after the next break. This time, a guy out of the Western Hockey League, big defenseman 
Caden Korzak played for Canada at the Holinka Gretzky Cup as well, but he's a uh, mainstay with the Kelowna Rockets. Get to know him when we come back. You're listening to The Pipeline Show. Hi, this is Luke Shun of the Kelowna Rockets. Hey, it's Madison Bowie. Miles Bell. Nick Merkley. Hey, I'm Leon Dreisaitl. Hey, it's Tyson Bailey. This is Mitch Wheaton. Hi, this is Tyrell Goldburn from the Kelowna Rockets, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Rocket Man, Your Edmonton Oil Kings have clinched a spot in the playoffs and look to keep the momentum rolling as they face the Kootenai Ice for the final time at Rogers Place Sunday afternoon. It's Family Fun Sunday, presented by Global Edmonton. With a kids' carnival zone featuring inflatables, face painters, kids' games, and a full team autograph session after the game. Oil Kings. Ice. Puck drops Sunday at 4 p.m. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $20 a seat. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I think I'm getting the black lung pop. And we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And we're going to turn on the 2019 draft spotlight. And uh, one of my guests today comes from the WHL, which means... It's an in-the-dub segment brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. If you want to stay up to date on what's happening across the Western Hockey League as the playoffs are right around the corner, uh, make dubnetwork.ca one of the places you visit on a regular basis. Uh, my guest today, as I mentioned, from the WHL. In fact, he comes from the Kelowna Rockets, and he's draft-eligible defenseman Caden Korzak, my guest. Uh, Caden, welcome to the program. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, I'm not on the verge of going into the postseason, though. That's uh, It's got to be exciting times around uh, the Kelowna Rockets right now as uh, the regular season comes uh, almost to an end here in the next uh, two weeks or so, and then the playoffs right around the corner. What's the uh, mood like for the team? Yeah, well, it's uh, very exciting here. We're making a push for the playoffs. Um, the past couple weeks have been, have been good for us, so we're looking to keep it going. Well, and I wonder, do you guys spend a lot of time uh, scoreboard watching? I've talked to other teams and other players, and, and most of them say that they do. Uh, I have had a couple of people say that would be a distraction, so we try not to do that. What about for you and for the Rockets? Uh, are you guys watching to see what happens at the, uh, at, you know, at, when you guys get off the ice and what the scores are everywhere else? Uh, we do a, a little bit now. Obviously, we're we're kind of pushing for a spot here at Camus, so. Um, we've been we've been kind of keeping an, an eye on them and see see how how uh, they've been uh, doing in the games. Well, they've got uh, you have a seven point lead, but they've got a couple games in hand. What's the season series been like between the two of you? Uh, at the at the start, uh, they they had our number, but I think more so after Christmas, uh, we've I think we've taken most of the games. So it's been uh, tight tight games uh, every every game. So it's been it's been a fun rivalry so far. Has that kind of been the story of the season for the Rockets? A bit of a slow start, but slowly and gradually getting better as the year has gone on? Yeah, I think so. I think everyone was kind of surprised with our start. I think we went uh, two and nine to start off, just start off, and then we had a coaching change. And then um, I think just after Christmas, we kind of kind of took our record and, and kind of won some games, so which was good for us that we needed. So, um, yeah, we're going to make a big push here uh, coming in the in our last couple of games here. Well, let's go back to that coaching change for a second. And I know when it happened from the outside looking in, I think a lot of people were surprised. Jason Smith hadn't been there all that long. The team had had success under him, but a slow start. In comes Adam Foote. And then, of course, 
I've talked to Nolan about this too, that, you know, from the outside looking in might look a little uncomfortable. Uh, for you and, and for the rest of the team, what was that, uh, that change like at the time? Uh, it was, it was kind of, it kind of caught up, caught all of us kind of by surprise, but, um, yeah, we, I don't know. We were kind of all surprised, like I said there, but it's, it's been good for us, especially for, for, uh, D-Man, especially for myself, just little details. Um, he's been, He's been good to me, and uh, he's taught me a lot on on how to get to the next level. Excellent. What's can you put your finger on? Like what one of the major differences has been uh, since the coaching change, uh, in terms of uh, the way the the team plays. Uh, I think just more uh, systems and structure. I think to our game, we have um, set set plays, set four checks, and all that stuff. So I think I think just everyone's on the same page now. There's no there's no gray area. So I think I think that's helped us out a lot. Caden Korzak of the uh, Kelowna Rockets, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. What we like to do in this part of the show, Caden, is let the audience kind of get to know somebody that's uh, eligible for the next NHL draft, like you are. And not everybody that's hearing this is going to know uh, much about the WHL, let alone the Rockets and who Caden Korzak is. So let's uh, go back to the beginning and uh, um, get a bit of background, if you don't mind. Where are you from? I'm from uh, Yorkton, Saskatchewan. Okay. Do you remember how old you were when you first started playing hockey? Uh, I think I was about three three years old Class, when I started. Classic uh, backyard rink sort of, uh, on the pond sort of story, or uh, uh, how'd you get yeah, into it? Yeah, I think yeah, there and I think just just my dad put me on some skates and yeah, like you said, outdoor rinks because it's cold in Saskatchewan, so they're <laughs> they're all, all all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Edmonton, so I know what the cold is like as yeah. well. Not like uh, those soft people in Kelowna. Uh, I, I know I, yeah. I joke with yeah. Regan, Bart- Regan Bartell jokes yeah. about it all the time, but he, he grew up uh, Saskatchewan strong, and now he's a BC yeah. soft. So, uh, yeah. Now, have you always been a defenseman? Uh, I, yeah, for for the most part, when I was when I was younger, we, I, there wasn't really any positions, but uh, def, defense was my uh, my strongest point, so I just stuck with it. At the, along the way, at one point, did you uh, ever have to like maybe you novice or squirts or whatever? Did you have to uh, throw the pads on and take your turn in net? Uh, I did. I I remember that, and then I I got pulled because I <laughs> I wasn't very good, and I I I had to go out there and score some goals. So that's that's one thing I remember about being being goalie. So in the same game, you got pulled and then went back into the game as a forward. Yeah, we were down and I don't know, and then <laughs> came back and won. So I was I was. <laughs> wasn't a great goalie. It's <laughs> funny. Um, tell me about the uh, the Bantam draft day and and what that was like for you. I talked to a lot of players who some get to stay home and watch it, you know, with their family at home. Some guys that follow it along at school. For you, in a eleventh overall pick in uh, twenty sixteen by the Rockets, you didn't have to wait long for to hear your name called. Uh, what was draft day like? Yeah, that was a super exciting day. We are myself and my family weren't weren't too sure what to expect because it was our first time going in going into anything like that but uh yeah we just sat around sat around our, our uh, computer at home and just watched it for uh however however long it took and um just yeah it was pretty exciting to make some phone calls and all that stuff after and um have some family and friends over after for a barbecue so yeah it was a it was a very very fun day did you have a feeling you could be a first round pick or did you have any idea uh i i had a little bit uh, obviously agents do all the all the talking and stuff so i had i had a little bit of a of a clue, but not not too sure, and I uh, never talked to Kelowna, so that was very surprising. Well, that that's interesting. That was going to be one of my next uh, questions, but you know the the feeling when you hear that it is Kelowna. I mean, one of the flagship sort of 
franchises in the Western Hockey League. Also one of the nicest uh, places in uh, Canada uh, to be living, but a long way from home. What was your uh, reaction to to being uh, drafted by uh, Kelowna? Yeah, I was. I didn't. I didn't know too much at the at the start, but uh, obviously my my mom and dad were pretty excited. They they knew uh, about Kelowna, obviously, and then um, and then coming to camp here, uh, I was very I was very uh, uh, open and. Um, it was it was awesome coming here for my first experience, um, seeing it, and then uh, it just kind of turned into a reality. Or last year, I guess, at 16, started living away from home, and um, yeah, it's been it's been awesome so far. You did get four games in uh, the year after you were drafted, while you were still playing uh, with Yorkton. Um, just having those four games, that small taste of the WHL, <laughs> how did that get you uh, better prepared for your rookie season last year? Uh, I think it I think it helped me a lot actually just seeing how how all the all the pro, or all those guys now that are in pro handle handle themselves and um, I think it pushed me in the summer to uh, to get stronger get bigger get faster and um, I think it's uh, helped me a lot. Well, you had 16 points last year as a rookie. You're already at 27 this year. Goal scoring maybe not your thing, but are, do you feel like you have untapped offensive potential, or should we uh, consider you more of a, a stay at home or you know, a two-way guy that maybe leans slightly more to your own end. Uh, I like I like the same. I'm kind of a uh, more leaning to, towards a two-way two-way guy, but uh, I like to play against other teams' top lines and um, chip in whenever I can. Has your defensive partner been pretty much the same all year, or has that changed around a bit? Uh, it's it's changed changed a little bit, but uh, for the past couple of games and or past couple of weeks, I guess it's been it's been the same. And who would that be? Uh, I'll be Dalton Galley. Okay, well, a veteran player like that—that's that, yep. good to have. Yeah, twenty-year-old. So yeah, for yeah. sure. You'll learn a lot from playing with a, a guy like that. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, being in the league, he's been here for for a while. So yeah, it's it's nice to have his ex- experience on the back end of me. So yeah, it, it helps a lot. Now the Central Scouting uh, ranking. Well, they have you uh, penned in uh, number thirty-one in North America, but uh, these uh, size they give you six-two and a bit. And uh, just a uh, hair under 195 pounds. Are those numbers still current, or has it changed a bit? Uh, I think I, I think I grew a, a little bit. I think um, I think at the prospects team I was six two and three quarters, something like that. So <laughs> okay, and I think weights weights around there. All right. Well, when you're that big, uh, I think uh, most people would expect there's a, a physical side to your game. Would that be fair to say that uh, you play with a physical edge? Uh, yeah, yeah. I I like to say I I. Uh, Take take my hits when I can for sure. Now uh, this season got started for you really early, back way back in August. Uh, we got to see you here in Edmonton, uh, playing for Canada at the uh, Holinka Gretzky Cup. That experience, uh, what was that like for you? Yeah, that was a super super cool experience. That was probably um, one of the best experiences I've ever had. Um, it was a very very close group of guys, and playing for for your country is always uh, something special. How big of a kickstart was that for you to get ready for the year playing? You know, important and meaningful games in August when your season's still a month away. Yeah, it was it was kind of kind of different because it was our it was obviously my first time um, playing those those kind of big games in the summer. But I, I think it just helped me, um, you know, just coming here with with some confidence. I think and um, you know just playing with all the top guys in in Canada. Um, yeah, just like I said, coming here with confidence and uh, helped me for for this year. Now, is the draft something you, you spend a lot of time thinking about, Caden? I mean, with yourself and, and Nolan Foote and Lassie Thompson, uh, there's obviously a lot of attention on the Rockets this year from the scouting community. Do you guys spend much time uh, thinking about it? 
Uh, not not too much. I try I try not to think about it, but uh, obviously it's it's obviously in the back of your mind. But um, I I try try the best best I can not to think about it and just uh, worry worry what I can do and on the ice and um and yeah, I think uh, things will take care of itself. All right, I should ask you for a, a scouting report uh, on Lassie Thompson from your perspective. You you get to to play uh, maybe not alongside him, but uh, as a teammate of yours and. Uh, we get to see him a little bit here and there, but uh, from your perspective, uh, what sort of a player is he? Uh, I'd say he's a, a offensive defenseman. He's uh, dangerous when he has a puck, and uh, he can he can make guys look look funny. So when he's out there, you got to be be aware. Is he teaching any finish? Uh, uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Nolan Foot, a guy you get to practice with uh, every day. Um, you're a defenseman. He's a forward. Uh, what makes him a challenge to handle as uh, as a defenseman in your position? Uh, yeah, being being a uh, a big guy, he's a power forward that that likes to finish his his, uh, his hits, and obviously everyone knows about his shot. So uh, whenever he has a puck, he has a quick release, and and he can make other teams pay. So uh, yeah, I think that's that's what makes him dangerous. Caden Korzak of the Kelowna Rockets, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. You're a Saskatchewan kid, no NHL team in Saskatchewan. Did you have loyalties to any uh, particular team? Um, but there wasn't wasn't too many. I think the the closest. Because the team was, or at that time when I was a kid, was Edmonton. So um, that was probably my my favorite team growing up. Um, but now I just kind of kind of watch and learn. All right. Any particular players that you you like? Maybe more you're cheering more for players than for teams. Uh, yeah, I kind of I kind of like to watch watch players. Uh, my my favorite player growing up was Duncan Keith. I tried to try to take bits and pieces of his game. And, um, I think now it's I I kind of watch more so is uh, Ryan Suter. I like to follow my game after him. So uh, yeah, I just kind of watch watch more so players now. Well, uh, fitting that uh, you you would pick a, a rocket, a former rocket like Duncan Keith. Well, listen, uh, Caden, I really appreciate your time. Wish you the best of luck down the stretch, and uh, hopefully the Rockets get into the playoffs, and uh, we'll chat again. Awesome! Thanks for having me. That's a good way to close out this week's show with a uh, potential first-round pick in the upcoming 2019 NHL draft. That's uh, Caden Korzak of the Kelowna Rockets. A couple other Rockets who are draft-eligible of note, uh, Nolan Foote, who was on the show much earlier in the season, and uh, Lassie Thompson, uh, the Finnish import defenseman, who uh, I have requested from the Rockets, but uh, apparently is English not good enough uh, for radio. At least that's what I've been told. So I probably will not get... Uh, Lassie on the show. If I had known that, I probably would have tried to track him down at the uh, CHL Top Prospect game in Red Deer. Uh, some of the, uh, not just the Europeans, but uh, some of the French guys, uh, often easier to do in person. Things get lost in translation over the phone. So I try to like to do the uh, the English as a second language players. I like to do those guys uh, in person if possible. Sometimes you can't. I, I've called Europe uh, several times over the years including uh, this year with a couple of uh, imports already, Moritz Cider, uh, not that long ago, from Germany. And because Caden Korzak was the only CHL uh, guest on the show today, he's also the CHL Insider, which is brought to you by The Store Next Door. I highly recommend that you uh, check out their website. That's thestorenextdoor.ca. Now, they're based in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, but uh, don't let that uh, stop you from considering uh, getting any of their products. They do a fantastic job recycling hockey sticks and, and making cool uh, items uh, out of it. Would look great in any sort of sports bar or your your man cave or if you've got you know like a TV room in the in the house and you're a big hockey fan. 
go to thestorenextdoor.ca. What they do is, uh, this is a, a, again, it's in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, but it's a manufacturer and retail outlet store, uh, and it focuses on employing people with disabilities. And as a father of a a special needs kid myself, uh, I understand how hard it can be for people with special needs to find employment. When you have an employer like this that actually goes out of way, you have to have a disability to work there. I, I just think it's fantastic. So it's part of a charity. Uh, I encourage you all to uh, just explore it. Go to the thestorenextdoor.ca. Send them an email. Tell them the Pipeline Show sent you. Get a copy of the catalog. They can email you a copy of their, their catalog. Some really cool stuff, you know, like uh, tables and hockey benches and chairs, TV trays, all made out of uh, old hockey sticks. There's also a folding picnic bench, which I don't think is actually made out of hockey sticks. They do have some other things that you can get that aren't just from hockey sticks, but simple small items like cowbells and things like that you can take to the game. I, I just think it's fantastic, and I uh, really encourage you to check it out. Again, the store next door.ca. But as I said, that is going to wrap up this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. Thanks to all four guests that you heard on the show. Thanks also to those who have signed up to be patrons at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. If you haven't done so already, again, I've been mentioning this uh, for the last six, seven months on the show. All of the segments that you've heard on today's episode, you've been able to hear the last few days at the Patreon page for the pipeline show. Again, patreon.com slash the pipeline show. As soon as I'm done the interview and I get it all edited and slapped together, Usually I'll I'll do an interview, let's say it's Tuesday, at noon. Uh, By 1 o'clock, it's up at the Patreon page on that day, on Tuesday. Yet the show doesn't really come out normally until Fridays, sometimes Saturdays. Today it's going to be a Thursday, and that's early. So in that situation, patrons have been able to hear that interview for three days or so. And you can contribute whatever you want while you're there, but uh, two bucks a month will get you uh, things like early access. So I'm, I'm really encouraged by everybody who has signed up to be a patron, and uh, I hope uh, that more Pipeline Show listeners will follow suit. All right, next week, uh, more 2019 Draft Spotlights. Got playoffs happening all over the place, so exciting times for junior and college hockey. Make sure you get out and watch some of those junior and college hockey games so that you and I can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show. Until then, my name's Keith Flaming. See ya.